Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Salty Housewives Podcasts. My name is Dallin. Today we're going to be going over the most recent episode of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Um, anyone else kind of eh with this episode? I mean... There was the one there was the one really good moment before it ended on a cliffhanger, but oh, I don't know to me it just to me this episode felt long it felt long it felt like two episodes, even though it was one episode. I didn't hate it. it was just kind of lackluster after the first four that we got um Oh, no, the opening opening was silly. Opening was silly. So opened with Meredith and Seth. They were having a meal somewhere and they were just they Meredith and Seth were presenting this lovely kind of um last time on kind of a recap. And so you got to see everything that happened again on the girls trip. Um you got to see Angie showing up uninvited. You got to see Lisa going on and on about losing her $60,000 ring again. And then Monica calling her out for being out of touch and kind of self-absorbed and privileged. Um, and yeah, so we got, we got to recap all that again. Um, and then after they do the recap... Then we get into what's going to be the main point of the episode. And Meredith brings up the fact that there are rumors about Angie and Angie's marriage. Um, Seth says something like, so what are the rumors about Angie K? Um, and I guess that kind of, that, kind of sets up the episode because Meredith knows these things that um, are about Angie's marriage. So that is the start of the episode. So the episode starts and Whitney and Monica are meeting each other for lunch. And I I don't know. Whitney... Winnie already kind of has bugged me normally. She's bugging me so much more this season. I don't know. She's getting under my skin. She's kind of being obnoxious. I don't know. There's this whole thing where she's... To me, it felt like she was complaining about people who are the problem and people who create problems. And in this moment, she kind of tells Monica, like, I'm getting to know you, but I was taken back by you, blah, blah, blah. It's hard for me to listen to Whitney in this whole conversation because she's basically the pot calling the kettle black. And it's like, Whitney, everything you're saying you don't like about something or someone or a situation or something is what you are. Like, it, it... I don't know. It's like Whitney doesn't like the things that she is herself. 
I don't know. So the conversation, um, it gets brought up that Lisa's having her little event and Monica tells her that she got invited because Whitney's curious how they are after they didn't get along. And Monica's like, oh, I think we're good. And Whitney's like, um, great, you have the opportunity to clear the air if you want. And Monica's like, well, do I need to clear the air? Because, I mean, I mean, Monica did and communicated the way most people should communicate. She just said what she needed to say and moved on. Um, then Whitney's like, oh, I'm just giving you fair warning. It took me three years to get back into her good graces. It's like, Whitney, it took you three years to be liked by her. And you didn't even like her at all, first off. Plus, not only did you not like her, you and Heather like spent time making fun of her and enjoying hating on her. But whatever. Like, Whitney's going to just conveniently forget that. Um, Monica jokes around. She's like, I'll just be like, you're a materialistic fuddy-duddy. I, I don't know what fuddy-duddy means. I know it's definitely a Utah thing. I've heard it a lot growing up. Because, um, of course, in Utah, Mormons can't swear. So instead of swearing, there's a lot of fun little swear words. You'll say fuddy-duddy. You'll say frick or frickin' instead of fuck. Um, you'll, like, stub your, your toe and be like, oh, dag, flab, nugget. Oh, jerk on a stick. Like, you'll just, you'll say the dumbest things you can think of without swearing. Even though you're wanting to swear, it's whatever. Um, so yeah, Monica's like, I'll just call her a materialistic fuddy-duddy. When he's like, I wouldn't say it like that. Um, I, to be honest, I think we have a lot in common. And I love your, oh, this is where Monica, uh, Whitney says it. I have to be honest. I think we have a lot in common and I love your energy, but it was just a bit of a red flag when you were going after Lisa and Angie. And it's like, nah, no. She goes, I don't want to invest time in someone who goes for their friends like that. It's like, okay, so what Whitney is, and here's, okay, I have another beef with Whitney because Whitney, whatever. Whitney comes from this place of entitlement and privilege. And when she's corrected or made aware of something, whether it be a friend or someone looking out for her, she doesn't see it as someone looking out for her, whereas she sees it as someone attacking her. So when she sees somebody speak to a friend like that, which was Monica speaking to Angie, she doesn't see that as a friend looking out for their friend trying to help them. She sees that as someone attacking somebody because that person doesn't like that person. And in reality, no. that is If you're a friend to someone, like if you are a good friend to someone and your friend is acting embarrassing and your friend is acting like a fool, I mean, that's what I want my friends to do. That's what you should want your friends to do. Apparently, Whitney just wants you to let you... If you're Whitney's friend, she wants you to let her act a fool and let her act stupid. And Monica kind of calls that out. And she's like, if your friend is acting crazy, I think you should call them out. You're doing it to me right now. Meaning Whitney calling out Monica. That's the same. The same. That's the same. Wow. Hello. That's the same thing I did to Angie. Angie said some really third. Thir wow. I can't talk. 
y'all. Like, I just, that's what I thought. I slept fine. I slept fine. Let's try this again. Monica says, I think you should call them out. You're doing it to me right now. That's the same thing I did to Angie. Angie said some really hurtful things about Meredith's business, and that's what set me off. Which, duh. And Whitney just back. My perspective, it looks like you went against your two friends and were sucking up to Meredith and Heather. Monica's like, I stand by what I said. 100%. It's just like this back and forth and back and forth. And Whitney doesn't get the point. And then Monica makes the point yet again. And she's like, Whitney, when she went after Meredith's business, that is when I had the problem. You don't go after a woman's business. And she points out the fact, Whitney, you have a business. Monica's like, I have a business. We are women who have businesses. And then Whitney goes, and Angie has a business. And it's like, yeah. And Monica even is like, well, yeah, exactly. And how do you think Angie would react if Meredith or someone else came for her business? <laughs> and then it, Whitney finally can I don't think Whitney actually understands or gets the point. I think Whitney finally agrees to get the point because she hates feeling like she's being picked on because Whitney is a little girl and can't have a conversation with adults. So she's like, as grown ass women, we should all be able to face ugly truths. I would rather know where I stand with you than be fooled about how you really feel. And then Monica just clarifies she felt Meredith needed someone to have her back. And Whitney says, just be careful with Meredith. And she talks about how Meredith has this thing where she, if she doesn't like someone or they go against her, she's going to talk about them and she's going to say she has rumors and she's going to say all this. And it's like, okay, well, in all fairness, in all fairness, okay, this may be Meredith's thing. However, the people she has gone off after have been kind of shit. And Meredith did actually have everything to back it up. I mean, even the clips they go to, I think the only thing that didn't ever really add up was the Louis Vuitton thing with Jen Shaw was never actually a thing, but the thing with Lisa's business and the uh, whatever file, the SEC filing or whatever they had, everything was backed up. So it's like Meredith isn't just going to speak to speak, but whatever. And then she just tells her that that's Meredith's little payback tactic and whatever. So Whitney basically warns Monica, like, look out for Meredith. And I think Monica, it seems like Monica at this point is just kind of looking at Whitney like, hmm, got my eye on you because you're a little shit stir and you don't get it. And Monica even makes a point like, maybe you don't know what it's like to talk with someone like me or have a conversation with someone with me. And that's the whole thing I was kind of thinking. Like, Monica is very direct and she is very honest and she's not rude or mean in how she does it. It's just these women are so consumed and consistently around people who are fake and doing what they can to just be popular and be liked that when you have one person that goes against that whole mold, it shakes things up. Anyway, so we get... Next little part, we just see Angie and her husband, which I'm now, I will now also refer to him as her, her gay husband, because <laughs> um, Angie, her gay husband, and their daughter are all playing 
Slapjack at the home, and it's kind of fun to see them interact. I mean, Angie isn't super annoying in this episode, but she's also not really doing anything for me. Um, it's just fun to get that little family moment. I like family moments. I like getting to see the housewives in their homes. I like seeing them with their families, especially when they have rich homes. It's fun. It's really fun to see. Um, and then they get to Heather and she goes skiing with her daughters. Um, they're having like mother daughter day out. Heather's talking about how fun it is because it's a win-win because she can do skiing and she can be a parent. Um, I always I like when they show the skiing here. I will say though, they they in the show they definitely make Salt Lake City look like it's bitter cold all year round. We have some outrageously intense, hot, dry summers. But don't be fooled. Our winters are cold, but this is a hot and dry state. Um and our winter our win our winter is great, but it Utah is not as cold as it seems. Um, anyway, Heather and her two daughters, they take break a break to get some hot cocoa. It's too hot, and so Heather decides to put some dirty-ass snow into her hot cocoa to cool it off to drink it. Repulsive. I mean, I'd throw up from that the same way I did from those freaking... Espresso martinis. Even the her daughters were like, "Ew, mom!" But they put it in their hot cocoa too. But that was so gross. That was so gross. And then they have a serious conversation, which kind of flashed me back to Utah and Utah culture. Um, Heather's talking about how she feels guilty when she sends Annabelle to school because her daughters, I guess, have been getting bullied ever since Heather came out with this book, which is ironic considering Mormons are supposed to be loving and accepting and non-judgmental and the, the blah, blah, blah. Everyone religious is supposed to be so sweet and nice. Um, and the daughters get like shoved and shoulder checked in school and they've got letters calling them, uh, see you next Tuesday and like ter- terrible, terrible, childish, awful things. Um, and the way Heather's daughters are talking, it's just, you can tell they hurt and you can tell they're in pain and you can see they are protecting their mom, but it's nice to see in Heather's confessional that she knows that she knows that they all are aware, even though they're not saying it out loud. The daughters know it hurts the mom. The mom knows the daughters are hurt, even though they're not saying it loud, out loud, um, when Heather's like watching them minimize the way that they're being treated reminds me of exactly how I was raised and how I've raised them. And I want to break the cycle. And it's like, that is so commendable. Um, one thing Heather does say when she's like, that's not very community of caring with the way children are acting. So a lot of us, I think if you're in the U S the community of caring thing was something implemented in K through 12 schools, to like crack down on bullying and get people acting kinder to one another, blah, blah, blah. So interestingly enough, the community of caring here in Utah has another little caveat to it. I'm sure other cultures and things might have something similar. So in Utah, one thing that went along with the community of caring was if you were a Mormon, which 
when I was growing up, I'm 34, I'm 35 now. And when I was in elementary, junior high, high school, um, if you were a Mormon kid, you were hanging out with your Mormon church members and your Mormon friends. And it was very rare you'd have friends with other people unless they were other Mormons. And if you didn't have Mormon friends, like, ooh, that was, you were doing something bad. You were doing something naughty. I had a huge mix. I, I was Mormon. I was baptized. I wasn't really brought up in the church. I mean, I was in the church, but we weren't, we weren't really Mormon Mormon. Um, we like, I didn't do all the milestone things. I was never going to go on a mission. I didn't actually right out of high school. I was done with the church. And at this point, me and my, um, me, my sister and my parents, we've, uh, we've all left. So what I'm getting to is in high school, this community of caring thing was so strong. I was a part of our madrigal and our concert choir group and, our teacher at the time, she was one of those where she had us convinced, like, if you're a good student and you're a good Mormon, because she was Mormon, you're going to look out for each other. And if you see one of your Mormon classmates kind of straying, you're going to let, you got to let us know. You got to let me know. So there was this whole thing. I knew I was gay for a long time, but I never came out with it. And my junior or senior year of high school, there was this outcast kind of kid that he didn't, no one really didn't like them, but because everyone assumed that he was gay, uh, it was like, Oh no, that's bad. That's so terrible. And I remember I was the one cause he was in my church group. He was in my ward. Uh, I was the one who went to our teacher and was like, I think this person's gay. And she's like, you need to tell, you need to tell your bishop immediately so he can get help. And then I went and told the bishop and they said, I think this person is gay. And it's like, that was such a thing in Mormon. It's, it's horrible. Like it's terrible, but it's like that, that was a thing. And it might still be a thing. Like that's a thing Mormons encouraged and they wanted you to do. And they wanted you to tell on each other. They want you to tell on each other. And they say it's to help one another. And it's like, it's so invasive. It's so terrible it's so out of touch it's so damaging like I definitely now being older and knowing how damaging that could have probably been or that I know that was for them and their family like ugh, I'm sorry for that behavior but it's like this Utah Mormon culture and whether you're a strong Mormon a jack Mormon who's not really a practicing Mormon or you're just someone around this Mormon lifestyle. It's, it's like the twilight zone a lot of the time. So the way they're alienating Heather's daughters, this is something that has been going on since forever within, especially the Mormon church and the Mormon culture. I hate it. So I I really feel for Heather and her daughters in this because even when I was the one doing stuff like that, I mean, I was also the one undergoing a lot of bullying and a lot of things for just the way I was. But that's, of course, a normal, normal thing for high school students and kids to do. And then you get older and we realize we were stupid. So that was that was a fun little flashback moment for me. <laughs> anyway, now to some more fun stuff. 
Lisa is throwing some, this is stupid. Okay. Lisa, she could not be more out of touch. She's throwing this party. And from what I understood, she is throwing this party to celebrate that she is a successful woman and she's proud of working hard, like being a hardworking woman. It's like, wait, what? What? Like, shut up. I, I didn't like that. Um, this is where the episode kind of got a little chaotic. I'm going to probably like, I don't know. I might forget a few things. Um, so everyone's a writing, a, a writing. Wow. Talking is hard today. As the ladies are showing up, uh, Meredith, <laughs> Meredith and Angie are put next to each other and they just kind of say, hi. Well, Meredith, I think Meredith just says hi. And they just awkwardly annoy, annoy, annoy. Wow. Annoy. I'm trying to say ignore, but my brain keeps saying annoy. They are ignoring one another. And then Meredith's like, I know I can't avoid Angie. It's simple to say hello to someone that you know, even if they do behave like a dog. And then they cut to how many times Angie's called a chihuahua and a pit bull. And I love it. I guess Angie is our pet this season. We have a chihuahua and a pit bull. Uh, chihuahua pit mix. Uh, we have a chicks. We have a chicks. Angie is our chicks. Um, Meredith's like, perhaps she could be kept on a leash somewhere far away from me. And it's really funny. And then Lisa passes out some uh, bottles for the ladies to pop so she can do uh, toast. And I... I don't remember what exactly the toast was that Lisa did. It was the most ridiculous toast I've ever... Like, I don't know. It just... It kind of... It came across like, Hi, this is me. I am successful. Be yourself and I'll be myself. Love you. I don't know. Something stupid like that. And it's like, okay. Um, And then they're at this crepe station Monica and Lisa are together. They're they're kind of showing the women together that didn't get along. So now Monica and Lisa are together. And Lisa is like, oh, everything is so great. Everything's so beautiful. And then, of course, Lisa, because she can't get over it. She can't get over being called out. Um, she brings up the fact that Monica called her materialistic. And Monica's like, oh, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, just own it. And then Lisa goes back into the, I work hard, Monica. And then this moment was my favorite. I actually paused it and like said to my mom, my mom and my sister at the time, because I was like, yes. So Monica literally points at the staff, the servers that are there working the event. And Monica's like, these guys work hard. Everyone works hard. Like, duh, Lisa, unless if Lisa thinks you are beneath her. Or if Lisa knows you don't agree with her, you are beneath her. You are littler than her. You are below her. You are not of her time. And Lisa's like, well, I work hard so I can have anything I want. If you're going to judge me, I want you to judge everyone here in this room. And it's Monica makes the point. Like, they're not all here like, ooh. She brings up this, I'm not getting on a private jet with Snoop Dogg. The funniest thing about this She's saying to Lisa how Lisa, I guess, told Monica, I could have been on a private jet with Snoop Dogg and I didn't, blah, blah, blah. 
Heather, just out of the blue, is like, oh, I partied with Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah, I did that once. And then they show a picture of Heather with Snoop Dogg in 2015. It's like, okay, all right, so Heather, Heather is that bitch. And Monica's just like, own it, own it, own it, like, own it like Heather. Um, as they're fighting, like, it's loud. I'm not presenting this, I think, in a way that's going to exemplify how loud and chaotic it was. Mary just shows up in the middle of this fighting and she's just like, oh, Lord, have mercy. I walk into like arguing. Oh, God, somebody rescue me quick. And that's her confessional moment. The somebody rescue me quick. She's referring to these arguing, shouting ladies. And it's so funny. Everyone... Everyone's arguing. And then Angie gets involved. And Lisa... Oh, this is... When Angie gets involved, this is where it's like, okay, come on. Um, Monica's like, Angie, don't fucking start with me. Fucking start with me. You're going to open fucking Pandora's box. You have no idea what the fuck. And then Lisa comes in, uh, pointing her finger at Monica's face. Monica's face. And was like, no, 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 no. Monica, that's rude. That's rude, Monica. And then my favorite moment when Lisa isn't used to being checked like this and she needs more of it. And Monica's just like, get your finger out of my face and like clapping at her with her hands. Lisa doesn't want to do. And she just kind of walks up in her face like she's going to act like she's all tough and then grabs Monica by the arm. And they sit. It doesn't escalate anything more than like fingers and faces. And then Monica just being like, Get the fuck out of my face, you psychotic woman. Um, and then Lisa and Monica sit down. They talk it out. They kind of come to an end of it, but Lisa still does not understand Monica's point ever because she's like, you think you're better than me. I feel like you have an idea of me and it's not me. You should get to know me before you tell me who I am. It's like, okay, her point was just read the room. When you consistently talk about your wealth in rooms full of people who can't relate or are not as privileged as you, it comes off wrong. But anyway, Monica admit that wasn't admits it wasn't her intention. Lisa says, we're fine now. They kind of hug. They say they have closure. And then while they're hugging, Lisa's like, I am much deeper than you think I am. And Monica's like, I never said you were shallow. Which she didn't. She never said you were shallow. I mean... I think Lisa's shallow and self-absorbed, but Monica didn't say it. And then, of course, they get to Monica saying what we all were thinking. Monica goes, I am just done talking about this. I'm over it. But we all know she's materialistic AF. And she is. So after all that chaos, the episode is still not over. We still have more to go. Um, We get a really funny moment. We get two funny moments from... Mary, mind you, Mary on the Palm Springs trip didn't go into the club and had the driver take her to McDonald's for fish fillet, a six piece nugget, and a large french fry. Which I think Bravo should partner up with McDonald's and give us the Mary Cosby meal because I would order that. Um, anyway, that's what she orders, and she's like, ew. Uh, well, first of all, she's like, Monica, you love to eat. You're always eating when I see you. <laughs> but that's not healthy. You need to eat healthy. And Monica's like, well, there's a raspberry in it. And she's like, no, 
Every time I see you, no, you're eating. You got to be careful. You got to, you need, you need vegetables. Um, just, just letting Monica have it for eating those crepes. And then Monica says, I love that Mary is unapologetically herself. Um, and then they flash back. They flash back to the first episode when Monica meets, uh, Monica meets Mary and Monica tells her like, Oh, I like you. I like you. And Mary's just kind of like, I really, you know, I really, I don't care. I don't care about that. And Monica's like, Oh, okay. And so now Monica is on this mission to make Mary her best friends. And she says, I'm just going to live in my delusion that Mary and I are besties. And it's hilarious. And then Mary asks Heather, Heather, you like that necklace? necklace? And she's like, yeah, I thought I brought out the champagne and the jacket. And Mary's like, no, no, no. Just making sure to give her disapproval, which I love. And then we start getting to now the episode's winding down. Um, Monica and Meredith are alone. And Monica says, are you going to talk to Angie at all? Meredith's just kind of like, about what? Because Meredith doesn't want to talk to Angie. Um, Monica's like, if she came up to you, would you talk to her? Meredith says she should do whatever resonates for her. I mean, clearly she does. She shoved whipped cream in your mouth. I didn't know it was whipped cream, but weird, still rude. And then um, Whitney, I don't get what Whitney's doing. Whitney is stirring the pot so hardcore in this, and she's acting like she's trying to be the peacekeeper, but Whitney, yet again, is the problem. So Whitney gets everyone to do her shotski, um, her and Monica, and some other lady, and Meredith, do shotski, and um, after that, Whitney is like, uh, Monica, come talk to me. And they talk, and with Whitney's prodding, she gets Monica to say what the rumor is. She asks, do you know what the rumor is? Monica kind of tries to avoid the question by saying, well, do you know what it is? Because um, Monica's shocked because she says, everyone's heard it. I'm surprised you haven't. To be completely frank with you, then here's the here's the rumor. People are talking about her husband fucks other men and that they have an arrangement and that their marriage is completely fake. Okay, I have to say, I asked my mom about what the rumor was before I saw the episode because I had predicted earlier on what I thought it was going to be and I nailed it. I thought the rumor was going to be that her husband was gay and the marriage was whatever and that's the rumor and I'm just like, okay, whatever. Um, then Whitney gets all dramatic, like, oh no, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to pass out. Oh, this is so bad. Monica's like, yeah, I know this is hard. Honestly, I do. And then Whitney has the clever idea. We need, we need to tell Angie, like we need to tell her all of this. So they get Angie and Whitney's like, oh girl, have a drink, have a drink. You need this drink. You're going to need it. Angie, right off the bat, is just nervous. She senses her nervous energy. She's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like your vibe. And they're trying to spit it out. And Whitney goes, we need to nip this in the butt. Monica's like, is it butt or bud? Whitney's like, huh? So they're having this serious conversation. And then 
Monica and Winnie all of a sudden do this sketch comedy skit. We need to nip it in the butt. Is a butt or bud? What? And Angie's like, that's not important. What are you here to tell me? So this poor woman freaking out. And then they're bickering over whether it's nip it in the butt or nip it in the bud. It is, in fact, nip it in the bud. And then Monica just says it. The rumor is that your husband likes to fuck other men. Now, okay, this is where I think Angie knows the rumor. And the way she reacted kind of had me thinking she was trying hard to act surprised. But in reality, she was like, oh, yeah, this thing. I don't think she was shocked. I don't think she was as shocked by it as Whitney was. And then Angie kind of in a very forced way is like, are you fucking kidding me? She's crazy. I'm sorry. I've been with my husband for 27 years. We are loyal to each other. Meredith lives to lie about other people's marriages. And the only one that's spreading their legs outside of their marriage is Meredith. And okay. And then right when we think we're going to get this confrontation between Angie and Meredith, Angie walks over and is like, hey, Meredith, can we talk for a bit? And then we get a to be continued. So that was that episode. It started off kind of slow. I have to say, the way the episode started off, I was getting so bored and so annoyed. But the ending was a lot of fun. I'm excited to see the confrontation next week. I love when they do to be continued just because you don't know what's coming up. Um, but so fun little thing. I did watch a little bit of watch what happens live afterward. And I have to say, if any of you saw that, I want to know what you thought because Andy Cohen asked Sean cause Angie was on and her husband was there. He asked Sean about the rumor and what they thought. Basically the way I interpreted it was he didn't deny anything. He didn't debate anything. He didn't argue anything. He just said that they have been strong and supportive of the gay community for a long time and that, you know what, he's there for Angie and he'll just take the brunt of everything that she has to deal with. And then instead of ever talking about the gay accusation, they kept talking about it as if people were talking about infidelity. And it's like, no, 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 sweetie. We're talking about the fact that the gay community in Utah is smaller than a man on steroids penis. And every gay knows every gay. Like, I can't even begin to explain to you what the gay community is like here. It is so, it's so small. I think we're all related. If you've dated, if you're a gay person who's dated another gay person, we're all related because of how intertwined and interconnected we all are. So we're a big gay ancestral family, not by choice, but because that is what the community is. So people will talk and people will know. And if he did sleep with some thirsty guys in the city. I mean, a lot of gays here are very interested in clout chasing and getting their name out there whatever way they can. And well, he's a good target now. So it will be interesting to see how this develops. Um, anyway, let me know what y'all think of that episode. This was a really fun one to do. Um, and I am looking forward to doing this again next week. Other than that, y'all take care. Have a safe week and see you soon. Bye. Oh, wait. If you're not following me, my Instagram, Salty Housewives Podcast, 
If you are here from the Instagram page, y'all are amazing. If you don't follow it, give it a follow. If you would like to check out my personal account as well, my personal Instagram is dallon.thorup, D-A-L-L-O-N dot T-H-O-R-U-P. Um, yeah, give me a follow. I love interacting with all of you. I love posting. I post on my Housewives page a lot. I'm only going to post Salt Lake City stuff on Instagram, but I will, once Beverly Hills and Miami start airing, I'm going to be recapping those episodes. So stay tuned. Can't wait. Okay, see y'all. Bye.